if you're here tonight and you're visiting from an area church, thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here. I know Pastor Lejeune is glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And uh, we appreciate you uh, helping and supporting uh, White Oak Baptist Church. We hope we can be an encouragement to you tonight. And one last thing before we get into the message. We're in Exodus chapter 5, by the way. Uh, if you will, turn your Bibles there to Exodus chapter number 5. And uh, one last uh, comment that I want to make. That um, we had a game, a football game last night. I don't know if anybody watched that game. Anyway, I uh, just thought I'd remind you about that. Anyway, uh, Exodus chapter number 5. Exodus chapter, we won't, we won't spend too much time on that, amen. Exodus chapter 5. I don't want to gloat. I don't want to rub it in. God bless you all. Hey, listen, we don't get, this may be the one or very few times that we get to win this one, okay? So I gotta rub it in just a little bit, amen? Uh, as long as that guy Brady's around, I don't know how many of these we'll get, so, uh, we gotta, uh, enjoy them while we can. Anyway, uh, Exodus chapter number 5. We're gonna read verses 1 through 4 of Exodus chapter number 5. Everybody with me in Exodus 5? All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we normally do around here. We normally stand for the reading of the word of God. So if you're physically able, I ask that you stand as we read the uh, scripture text tonight. Exodus chapter number five and verse number one. The Bible says, and afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Notice the disdain in his voice. Oh, you can't hear it, but you can tell that it's there. Uh, Notice the absolute insubordination. I refuse to submit to this Lord that you're referring to. Look at verse number three. And they said, the God of the Hebrews have met with us. Let us go, we pray, the three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, this is Pharaoh, wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens. The title of the message this evening is, He is Worthy of Our Worship. And I like the fact that we sang the song, He is Worthy, because He most certainly is. He's worthy of our worship. And uh, and sometimes I think uh, the things in our lives can crowd out that truth because He is worthy. And He deserves our praise. And let's make sure we uh, don't forget that this is a reminder this evening in Exodus chapter number 5. Let's bow together for a word of prayer one last time and then we'll get into the message. Father, we love you. We thank you for uh, this reminder that you have penned for us from eternity past. Lord, you've... Not only penned it, Lord, you preserved it for us here, for this night, this occasion. Lord, you knew exactly who would be here this evening. You knew exactly the words and the text that we would be studying, the words that would be shared. And Father, we pray that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, or because we know you seek such to worship you. We pray now, Lord, that you would please convict where conviction is needed, encourage where encouragement is needed. Uh, May you strengthen where strength is needed, Lord, and uh, help us, Lord, to leave White Oak Baptist Church tonight uh, having uh, received from heaven and being changed, Lord, more into the image of your Son. We ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. My wife and I, uh, I have a sister who, I have three sisters, actually, and um, my one sister who is the, I'm the youngest of the four, 
And uh, my one sister, who is two years older than I am, uh, her and her family lived in uh, uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, for about two or three years. All of my family is in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, she eventually, her and her family, moved back to Baltimore. But there was a time when uh, we were going there to visit her, uh, visit my, my sister and my, my uh, not my son-in-law, uh, my, my brother-in-law. Amen. At least it wasn't a funeral. Anyway, my brother-in-law. <laughs> My brother-in-law, hey, we all make mistakes, amen. Uh, my brother-in-law and my sister and their two sons, we were traveling there to visit. And if you've ever been to New Jersey, uh, anybody been on the New Jersey Turnpike? Raise your hand if you've been on Okay. You know what that turnpike is like. And most of them, most turnpikes are like this. Uh, the exits are really far apart. I mean, uh, if you miss an exit and you've got to get off, you're going to go quite a few miles before you find the next exit. And so, needless to say, we're on the New Jersey Turnpike. We're heading up to visit my, my sister, my brother-in-law and their family. And uh, I, I start to notice that our, our, our gas tank is starting to run low. And I'm thinking, man, we, we need to get some gas, like, as soon as possible. And so uh, at the very next exit, I finally get an exit, and, and I'm, I'm getting stressed out. And, and so finally, we, we take the exit. We go into, uh, we pull into this, this gas station. And uh, as you know, I, I think they still do this. It's full service in New Jersey uh, where they pump the gas for you. Do they still do that in New Jersey? Okay, so they still do that. Uh, and so, you know, we pull in, and, and we pull up to the pump. The attendant comes out, and, and I say, you know, fill it up. And, and I get out of the car because, you know, we've been driving for some hours, and I just want to stretch and, you know, kind of, you know, get the circulation flowing in my, in my legs and so forth and so on. And so I, I kind of take a little walk, you know, just kind of wandering around the, the gas station there. And as I turn back to look at the car, the attendant pumping the gas, I notice that he's talking to my wife. And I notice that they're having this animated conversation. And, and I'm thinking, man, what's going on over there? You know, and, and, and so uh, she's smiling and he's smiling and, you know, they're just going, you know, talking and talking as if they knew each other, you know. And, you know, and he gets done pumping the gas. I walk over. You know, he goes back in, into the store after, you know, we exchange all the money and all that sort of thing. And I get in the car and I say, um, did you know that guy? She says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We used to date. I said, What? I said, you used to date that guy? She said, yeah, well, that's before I met you. You know, you know, we used to date long before I ever knew you. And, and you know, and, and I said, man, that's incredible. Uh, what are the odds of that? And, and then we drove a little while and I said, man, aren't you glad you met me? I said, if you'd have married him, you'd have been married to a gas station attendant. But, but instead, you're married to a, a successful pastor. And Trina turns to me and she says, honey, if I would have married him, He'd be the successful pastor. You'd be the gas station attendant. <laughs> Amen. You like that one? <laughs> Amen. Just a little humor to, uh, to break the ice. And uh, that actually didn't happen. Okay, that was all a lie. But it's a good joke. Amen. It's a good joke. Um, one of the things that, one of the tricks that a friend of mine taught me is if you, you place people's names in a joke, man, you get, you grab people's attention. And so I've, I've tried to practice doing that. But nonetheless, uh, it's not a true story, but it's a funny joke. Uh, but tonight, uh, I just wanted to break the ice. I just want to, you know, make sure you understand here. We're here to worship God, uh, but I want you to be open, open-minded to what the, the Word has to say this evening. And so in Exodus chapters 3 and 4, uh, Moses meeting with God on Mount Sinai, uh, God trying to convince him that he's the man that God's called to go and to deliver the Israelites from their 400 plus years of bondage in Egypt. And Moses, of course, uh, doesn't want to do it. Moses, of course, doesn't think he's uh, uh, qualified to do it. And, and God gives him all these signs. 
And eventually, God convinces him. He eventually submits to the call of God to be the man to go and to uh, to lead the, the children of Israel uh, out of bondage. And you remember, he made excuses. You know, I'm not eloquent, and you know, and uh, and I, I'm not the one for you. And you, you you got the wrong guy. And God says, No, no, you're the one. I've chosen you. We see here in uh, Exodus chapter number five, uh, where he's finally submitting to that. He's finally moving forward with that. Uh, and he takes Aaron uh, and he goes to Pharaoh and he tells them, you need to let God's people go. God has met with us. God has told us uh, this is his command. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, is telling you, Pharaoh, to let his people go. Well, Pharaoh, of course, didn't want to do that. It was his free slave labor. Uh, and of course, uh, we know that it will take eight chapters. It will take ten horrific plagues before Pharaoh finally lets God's people go. Uh, and so we have some things here in chapter 5 that teach us that the Lord is absolutely worthy of our worship. We'll see this in this narrative between Pharaoh uh, and between Moses. So let's get right into it. Point number one. Point number one, we see the willful Ignorance, the willful ignorance, the willful ignorance. Look at Exodus chapter five again and look at verse number, verse number one, one more time. Verse number one of Exodus chapter five. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, and we, we, we emphasize this during the scripture reading. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord and neither will I let Israel go. Pharaoh is very bold. Pharaoh is very arrogant. Uh, Pharaoh refuses to submit to God's authority. Reminds me of Frederick Nietzsche. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Frederick Nietzsche, but Frederick Nietzsche was a famous philosopher during the 1800s. Uh, he was the first to blend uh, philosophy and psychology as a unified field of study. Uh, he was very famous in his day, and uh, he was highly esteemed in the intellectual community. Frederick Nietzsche came up with the concept of God is dead. He's the one that developed that philosophy and that, uh, that, that worldview and that viewpoint, and, and God is dead. Uh, he declared this very boldly. God is dead. He doesn't exist. There is no such thing as God. And shortly after he made that declaration, he started to lose his mind. Uh, he started to lose his mind to the point where he ended up in an insane asylum. In that insane asylum, he eventually took his own life. He committed suicide, Frederick Nietzsche. And of course, his teachings and his philosophies, they kind of went by the wayside for some time. But uh, eventually, uh, those, those teachings and those writings were rediscovered in the 1960s. And uh, in the 1960s, uh, the teachings of Frederick Nietzsche were once again embraced. And the God is dead movement was alive once again. It started to gain momentum and, uh, and, and, and it was taught, uh, it was taught prevalently uh, in, in, on college campuses. God is dead. Frederick Nietzsche, his philosophy, his teachings, his writings. Someone during the 1960s took a can of spray paint and they painted on a New York City subway. They, painted, they spray painted the words, God is dead, and they signed it, Nietzsche. God is dead, Nietzsche. 
interesting thing, a couple days later, someone else took some spray paint, uh, and they spray painted underneath of the quote, God is dead, signed Nietzsche. They wrote with a spray paint and a spray can, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. Amen. And listen, I would, I would propose to you tonight that that philosophy is very prevalent even in the 21st century. There's a lot of people who think that God does not exist, that God is dead, that He does not deserve one second of my attention. And you know, we sang the songs, He is worthy. We sang the songs that we need to worship Him. Listen, the, the Bible tells us, we quoted it yesterday, uh, we are created to honor and to worship and to glorify Him. He's worthy of our worship. And we have to understand, Pharaoh is a lot like Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, Pharaoh, uh, he, his ignorance regarding the Lord was willful, it was deliberate. Uh, he chose to ignore the Lord because he did not want to submit to the Lord. He had no intentions of letting God's people go. Uh, he had no intentions of obeying the Lord. Uh, he said in verse 2, who is the Lord? He said, I know not the Lord. He chose out of his, his own will, I decide to ignore your God. We have a lot of people like that in our society today. There's a lot of people like that in the state of Florida, where my wife and I have been for the last year. There's a lot of people like that in the state of New York, where we were for three years. There's a lot of people like that in Maryland, where we lived for a very long time. There's a lot of people like that in Connecticut. Amen? There's a lot of people in our world who say, he's not real. He doesn't exist. I, he doesn't deserve my attention. He doesn't deserve a second of my worship. You see, the revelation of God to you and to me is directly, directly linked with our obedience or our willingness to obey what he reveals to us. So the more that we obey or are willing to obey, the more he will reveal to us. You see, Pastor Corson, uh, Pastor John Corson, pastors out uh, in, in, in uh, I think, Oregon, uh, he, he put it this way. He said, if I have no intention of being obedient to the Lord, then I'm never going to have real knowledge of the Lord. If I want to have knowledge of the Lord, then I must be submitted to the Lord. I must be willing to be obedient to that which He reveals to me concerning His nature or His will. This, this fits right in with what we talked about last night when we mentioned uh, we have no excuses. All men have some light. Uh, and all those that obey the some light that they have will receive more light. If God knows that you have a desire to please Him, a desire to worship Him, a desire to honor Him, hey, He will make Himself known to you in a greater fashion. Uh, we saw some examples in, in the Bible of that. We saw Cornelius. We saw the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, they all had some form of, of light, some form of knowledge of God. Not a complete knowledge, but God saw that they were seeking Him. And He made Himself known to them. If we seek Him... He will be found by us because he sees our hearts. He knows that we want to please him. And so uh, we saw Cornelius. We saw the Ethiopian eunuch. By the way, uh, Apollos is a third example of that. Apollos, who he understood he had the repentance of John because he taught John's baptism. He had the repentance of John. He did not have the reception of Jesus. You see, uh, he was going through the motions, doing the, the, the outward work, but he didn't have the inward relationship. And God saw that, and God sent Aquila and Priscilla to him to help him understand the gospel fully. And so we see, God says, if you have a heart to obey, if you have a heart to submit, I will make myself known 
unto you. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 teaches us that the opposite of that is also true. If a person has a desire, a willingness, a submission to the Lord, God will make himself known to that person. But if a person is like Frederick Nietzsche, if a person is like this Pharaoh in Exodus chapter number 5, if they refuse, if they reject the little bit of light that they have, guess what happens to them? They receive less light. And they go into a greater darkness than they were before. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says this, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not... They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, for what cause? Because they believe not, they receive not. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They'd rather do what they want. They'd rather ignore God. They'd rather, rather reject God and, and willfully and deliberately say, like Pharaoh, who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. They willfully and deliberately say, like Frederick Nietzsche, God is dead. He doesn't deserve my attention. He doesn't deserve my worship. You see, Pharaoh, uh, he himself was worshipped as a god. Uh, he, he said that himself, he claimed to be a descendant. Now listen to this. There's some crazy things that these people used to believe. He believed that he was a descendant of the, of the sun, the S-U-N. Uh, and he claimed deity for himself. And he was worshipped as a god. So of course, if he thinks he's a god, he's not going to submit to another god or the one true living god. So he wanted he, people to worship him. He said, who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. He didn't know the Lord because he had no intention of obeying the Lord. Uh, my question to us this evening is, if you're saved, that's great. I'm glad if you're saved, that's, that's the first step, obviously. And if you're not saved tonight, the first step you need to, to take in order to know the Lord is to get saved. Trust the Lord as your Savior. But if you know the Lord as your Savior, my question to you tonight is, how well do you know Him? How well do you know Him? How well do you know His Word? How well do you know His nature? How well do you know this Father, Heavenly Father of yours? How well do you know Him? You see, I have a biological father that I didn't really know. Now, he's passed on. He passed away when I was around 26 years old. Uh, and my mom and him split when I was five years old. She brought us from Puerto Rico to Baltimore, Maryland. And, uh, you know, I was five. I don't remember those years, to be quite honest with you. I don't remember much at all. Uh, and so, uh, he didn't speak English. And when I was growing up, I didn't speak much Spanish. Uh, and he wouldn't get on a plane, and so he couldn't come to, he couldn't come to the States, uh, and he was illiterate, uh, and so he, he couldn't write a letter, and so our relationship was next to nothing. Next to nothing. I never, I spoke to him twice. Uh, I did go to visit with him when I was 13 years old, but man, it was extremely awkward. You see, I didn't know him. He was my father, but I didn't know him. We didn't spend time together. Uh, we didn't have a true relationship. I didn't know the things that he liked. I didn't know what his favorite things were. He didn't know the things that I liked. He didn't know what my favorite... Why? Because we did not spend time together. I didn't know him. The question tonight, the question on the floor tonight is, do you know the Lord? I'm not asking if you're saved tonight. I'm asking, it. do you know, do you truly know God? Do you know his nature? Do you know uh, his character? 
Do you know that He loves you and He's your Heavenly Father and He will provide every need that you have in your life and He wants to walk with you? Uh, He wants to spend time with you? He loves you as if you were the only human being on the planet. Do you truly know the Lord? You see, do you desire to obey Him? If, If so, He will give His revelation of Himself to you and He will provide direction for you. You see, but God will not give us further revelation of Himself, further direction for ourselves, if we've not been obedient to what He's told us. You see, we have a revealed will of God and we have an unrevealed will of God. The revealed will of God is sitting in your lap or on your phone app. The revealed will of God right here. And God says, I've given to you a love letter from heaven. And I've given to you some expectations. And I've given to you uh, some direction for your life. And there's some things that I expect out of you in this relationship. And you say, well, Lord, I want to know, you know, what am I supposed to do uh, as for a career? And and who am I supposed to marry? And where am I supposed to live? And and what's how many children are we going to have? And and, and where are we going to serve? And and listen, we want to know the unrevealed will of God. But in many cases, we're not performing the revealed will of God. And God says, until you start performing and doing the revealed will of God, why would I disclose to you my unrevealed will for you? You're not even doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pointing a finger here, folks. I'm talking to all of us, myself included. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. He said in John 14, 23, If a man love me... He will keep my words. He said again in John 14 and verse 24, He that loveth me not, keepeth not my words. The knowledge of God is an obedience thing. It's not, well, you know, I read, uh, you know, uh, I read the Bible two and three times a year, and that's great if you do that. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you can. Uh, it's not, I read the Bible through once a year, you know, for, ever since I've been saved, and if you do, praise the Lord, that's great. I encourage everyone to do that. But listen, this knowledge of God thing, it's not a facts, it's not information, uh, it's not uh, being able to know all about eschatology and, and all about prophecy and, and to be able to know all these. No, 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 it's not all. Listen, this thing of knowledge of God is all about an obedience thing. How obedient are we to the Lord? How obedient, how, are we going to have the attitude of Frederick Nietzsche and, and are we going to have the attitude of Pharaoh? So, well, you know, who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. I, I know if you're saved, you're not going to have that attitude or that spirit. But in some cases, we kind of act like that. We kind of act like that. When the Lord Jesus is not valued above all, then the Lord Jesus is not valued at all. You see, a lot in our houses, in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in our own personal lives, a lot is out of place because the Lord Jesus is not in first place. Y'all with me tonight? A lot is out of place. You see, I I quoted it the other day. Uh, I don't remember which message it was, but Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. You notice God didn't say, well, seek ye second. The kingdom of God. Well, seek ye third. No, no, no. No, no. Seek ye first. First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all that stuff that you worry about, all that stuff that I worry about, all those things that we get all stressed out about, He says, and all these things, they'll be added unto you. Seek my kingdom first. Seek my glory first, God says. Seek God's honor first 
and foremost in our lives. You see, Pharaoh had a willful ignorance. He chose to ignore. He chose to not know. He chose to refuse any knowledge of God because he had no intention of submitting to God. I like this statement. Christ plus nothing equals everything. Isn't that true? Christ plus nothing equals everything. Guess what? Everything minus Christ equals nothing. Christ plus nothing. You don't need it. As long as you have Christ, you have everything you need. But listen, you can have everything this world has to offer. And if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. You have nothing. Let's quit making God the Lord of the leftovers in our life. If I have time. If I have some extra cash. Uh, if I can, if I can fit it in my schedule. Uh, if I, listen, I'll, I'll let God be the Lord of my leftovers. No, no, no. No, no, no. He should be first, foremost. He should have the priority in our lives. I read this quote and I, I wrote it down. I thought it was a really good quote. It's a good quote that we should live by. The secret to a happy life is giving God the first part of your day, the first priority in every decision, and the first place in your heart. The first part of your day, the first priority in every decision, and the first place in your heart. Let's not be like Pharaoh and have a willful ignorance. Uh, Let's seek the Lord's kingdom first. And so he will reveal himself to us. Let's look at point number two. Point number one, the willful ignorance. Point number two, the wily intention. The wily intention. And I had to use the word wily because it begins with the letter W. Amen? Uh, it reminds me of Wild E. Coyote. Y'all remember the, the road runner? Wild E. Coyote? Anyway, um, uh, the wily intention. Uh, we see letter A under point number two. Do more work. Do more work. Uh, this is the devious intention that's, uh, that's, that's Satan-inspired. That's, that's a, an, 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 uh, an encouragement from Satan, from the devil to, uh, well, you don't have time. Uh, you 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 got to do this and you got to do that and and yes and maybe worship God later uh, worship Him next week worship worship Him next month worship Him next year hey when you reach this age then you'll commit to Christ then you'll commit to church then look at it look at it. Exodus chapter five verse number three verse number three and they said the God of the Hebrews have met with us let us go we pray thee three days journey into the desert and sacrifice sacrifice unto the Lord our God. They're talking about, hey, we're going to go worship the Lord, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt, listen to Pharaoh's response, and the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you to your burdens? What is Pharaoh saying? Pharaoh's saying they got too much to do. They're too busy to go worship the Lord. They're too busy to make it to church. They're too busy to make it to Sunday school or life groups. They're too busy uh, to spend time uh, worshiping the Lord with, with His people in the local church. They're too busy. they got too much to do. You see, Pharaoh had zero intentions of letting God's people go. All his intentions were for them to build his pyramids, to build his kingdom. And Pharaoh said, what are you doing asking for days off? I'm not going to give you any days off. Get back to work. I'm going to give you, I'm not going to give you any days off. As a matter of fact, I'm not only not going to give you days off, I'm going to give you more work to do. Look at verse number five. Verse number five. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, 
Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof. I'm not only not going to give you the time off to go worship God, I'm actually going to make you work longer and harder. Do more work. Do more work. Do more work. This mentality is very prevalent in our society as well. Uh, work more overtime. Uh, make sure, you know, work as much as you can and can as, and, and, and can as much as you can and, and keep it and, and store it and, and hoard it and, and make sure you have plenty and, and listen, I'm all for saving, I'm all for being responsible, but not at the expense of worshiping God. Y'all with me tonight? Everybody, somebody other than pastor is with me tonight. Amen? Alright, okay, good. Alright, he's the only one amen. I will make sure everybody's okay. Everybody alright? That, that joke was not true, okay? My wife does love me, amen? Alright, anyway. Uh, <laughs> listen, God says, put me first. Put me first. I'll take care of your needs. But the world says, no, you gotta work first. The world says, listen, we should work, absolutely. Uh, if, if, if a man uh, doesn't work, neither should he eat, the Bible says. I'm all for work. But at the same time, I'm not going to work and, ex- and ex- exempt myself from worshiping God. I'm not going to do it. It's just not worth it. Let's make sure that we put him first. Let's make sure that we make a priority in our lives to not do more work, but to do more worship. Because the wily intention of the devil is for you to work, 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 work. And no church, no church, no church. And the second thing, the second wily intention, let it be, is do less worship. Do less worship. Exodus chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Do more work, do less worship. Look at verse number 8, if you will. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them, ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. He's thinking, man, they must not have enough work to do. Uh, let's make them more busy. He goes on to say, therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse number 9. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein. Look at this last phrase. Very interesting what Pharaoh says. And let them not regard... Look at what Pharaoh, how he considers them talking about worshiping God. Let them not regard vain words. He says, what they're talking about, that's vain. What they're referring to, that's a waste. What they want to do, man, I don't have time for that. And I don't want them to have time for that. It, does that not sound a lot like what our society teaches? Well, you know, why do you go to church so much? Uh, you know, is it one time a week enough? Anybody ever heard that one? I've heard that one. Uh, you mean to tell me you go Sunday morning and then you go back Sunday night? Well, uh, what, what did they tell you Sunday night that you didn't hear Sunday morning? I, I've had people say that to me. And I've had people say, you go back Wednesday? What do you all do on Wednesday? <laughs> Anybody ever heard these things? And they say, man, why do you worship God so much? And why do you spend so much time at the church? And I've had people say to me, it sounds like you're part of a cult. You ever have that one? Sounds like you're part of a cult. Let me tell you something. In, in, in Acts, uh, in that church in Jerusalem, you know how many times they met? They met every single day. We're not meeting every day. Uh, even in revival week, we're still not meeting every day. Uh, And listen, if if we were going to go back and follow the example of the church in Jerusalem, we'd be having church services every single day. But no, God says, no, you don't have to do it every single day, but you must, you must make me a priority. 
Worshipping me is not vain. It's not useless. It's not a waste of time. And Pharaoh's mentality uh, is, is, it is vain. It is a waste. It is, you know, you shouldn't do that. And, and so we need to make sure uh, we don't think, man, I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work. Uh, I don't have time for personal devotions. I don't have time for prayer. I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Man, pastor's asking too much and the, the church expects too much. And, and man, I just, I don't have time. Listen, we need to make time. We need to make time. I'll say it a third time. We need to make time. Y'all with me? We need to make time for God in our lives. You know, the person or the Christian that says, I don't have time. The Christian that says, I'm too busy. The Christian that says, man, my schedule's too full. Uh, The Christian that says, man, I just, if I could, I would. I I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, That Christian sounds a lot to me like Martha. You remember Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha, uh, Martha, who uh, she was uh, cumbered about with much serving. She was working. She was serving. She was doing a good thing. Uh, it was a good thing, serving and working and, and cleaning and all that. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But Mary, the Lord Jesus said, Mary chose that greater part, that greater thing. When she was sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus, when she was worshiping the Lord Jesus, when she was spending time uh, just showering Him with love, showering Him with worship. And, and listen, the Lord Jesus said. That is the greater thing. That is the greater thing. Because that worship, that is what we were created to do. Listen, I can't make it any more plain than that. I'm all for cleaning. I'm all for serving. I'm all for setting tables. I'm all for doing, you know, cleaning up the property. All all that stuff is good. But not at the expense of worship. Not at the expense of worship. I've seen Christians... And I'm sure some of you have as well. I've seen Christians where, man, they serve and they do this and they do that. And they never, on a Sunday, they don't even step foot in the auditorium. Because they're too busy. And you know what I say to that person? I don't tell them this personally, but I think in my mind, I think, man, you're doing way too much. If you don't have time to come into the auditorium with God's people and lift your voice in praise to God Almighty and to give Him thanks for His blessings in your life, something's out of order. Something is wrong. If you're teaching a class, if you're running a bus route, if you're working in nursery, if you're uh, working in the sound uh, area, if you're doing this, you're doing that, and you never at one point during the week step in the auditorium and, and worship God, something's wrong. Something is not right. And I guarantee you, Pastor would agree with that. Uh, we all need to be in the worship service at some point in time during... The week. And by the way, uh, when we talk about worship, we're not just talking about the corporate worship of the church. We're talking about the personal worship also in our home, in our car, wherever it is that you praise the Lord, wherever it is that you pray to God, wherever your prayer closet is, we need to be there faithfully. We need to be there consistently. A young man approached uh, the foreman of a logging crew. And he asked for a job at that logging business. And uh, the foreman replied to him, well, it depends. Uh, let's see you fell this tree over here, young man. Let's see what you can do. And the young man, he stepped forward and uh, he, he skillfully uh, chopped down that great tree. And the foreman was impressed. And uh, he said, man, okay, you can start on Monday. And uh, Monday came around. The young man showed up for work. And uh, Monday came and went. And then Tuesday came and went. And then Wednesday came and went. And then Thursday rolled by. And uh, Thursday afternoon, the foreman comes to this young man and he says to him, he says, hey, you can pick up your check on the way out today. The young man was kind of perplexed by that, and uh, he said, wait a second, I, I thought you paid on Fridays. And, and uh, the foreman said, yeah, we normally pay on Fridays, but we're letting you go today. 
We're letting you go because you've fallen behind. Uh, my records show that uh, on Monday you were, you know, on top, you were doing the best, and you were just, man, man, you were doing great, and, and then now, every day since, you've fallen behind, you've fallen behind, you've fallen behind, and, and uh, you've dropped from first place on Monday to last place on Thursday. The young man said, but I'm a hard worker. Man, I'm diligent. I'm here every day. I, I show up early. I, I work through my breaks. And, and man, I, I don't understand. I, I've been sincere and genuine. I've been working hard. And the foreman, he understood. Man, he could tell that this, this young man was, uh, was, was, he, had, he was a man of integrity. He was being honest. And so he says, man, he asked the young man, he says, have you, young man, have you taken the time? Uh, have you been, young man, have you been sharpening your axe? That young man responded, well, no, sir, I've been too busy working. I've been working too hard to take time for that. You know, there's a lot of Christians. They're working hard. There's a lot of Christians, man, they're swinging their spiritual axe. There's a lot of Christians, man, man, they're just, they're, their effort is there. I mean, they're giving all they've got. And, man, they show up early. They stay late. They work through their breaks for the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're not sharpening their axe. You know what sharpening your axe is? Worshiping the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. Reading His Word. Praying. Memorizing Scripture. That's sharpening your axe. And let me say to you and to myself tonight, Christian, if we're not sharpening our axe, our true productivity for the Lord is going to wane. It's going to go downhill. And I'm telling you, we can put in all the effort we want. We can strive and we can work and we can sweat and we can toil. And I mean, we can just go all at it. But if we're not sharpening our axe, there's a tremendous element missing in our spiritual walk. You see, in Luke chapter number 10, verse number 38, we talked about it just a moment ago. The Bible says, now it came to pass as they went. As a matter of fact, turn there with me, if you will. Let's look at it together. Luke chapter number 10, uh, verse number 38. Let's read it together. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 38. Luke 10, verse 38. Let's, let's start there. Now, the Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Lord, what's going on here? I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the serving. My sister doesn't care. And apparently, Lord, you don't care. Look at it. The last part of verse 40, she said, bid her therefore that she help me. Uh, Lord, tell her to stop doing what she's doing and come over here and help me. Verse number 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, I could just see, I can, I can sense the, the sound in his voice, Martha, 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 thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. One thing is absolutely necessary. One thing you cannot live without. One thing you can't remove from your life. One thing you must do, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, you see, 
If we say, well, I gotta work, I gotta serve, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, but we're not sharpening our axe, we're not spending time with the Lord, the Lord would say to us, Pedro, Pedro, man, you're so careful and cumbered about with so many things, but there's something that you're missing. There's something so much more important than you uh, preaching a sermon, than you uh, helping out in the church, than you teaching a class. Then you... Listen, those things are good, but this is much more important. You cannot have spiritual life, a vibrant spiritual life without this. It's the Martha attitude, the Martha spirit that just wants to work and not worship. By the way, it's not only the Martha spirit, it's also the Judas spirit. The Judas spirit. Judas, when uh, Mary, uh, who she took that, that, that box of ointment, that spikenard, and uh, the Bible says that she, she broke that ointment and she, she poured it on the, the Lord Jesus' feet and she was worshiping. She was just, man, just, just showing her love for the Lord. You remember what Judas said? Man, this was a waste. Why'd we do this? We could have done something with that. We could have had money for that. We could have served the poor with that. Man, we could have done some, some, some really good things with that. Everybody seeing this? And I'm all for doing good things. I'm all for serving. I believe we should. But let's make sure we don't skip that needful part. Let's make sure we don't skip that part that, man, only you and God know. Do you truly worship the Lord? I don't mean do you make a show and and throw your hands in the air, and if that's how you do it, then by all means. But listen, all of us need to be worshiping the Lord. Every single one of us. The Lord, you know, of course, He said, Judas said that that was a waste, that that was a waste of what she was doing, and the Lord didn't think it was a waste. As a matter of fact, the Lord honored her for what she did. Worshiping the Lord is not a waste of time. Worshiping the Lord, singing praises to the Lord. Uh, I got a good friend, uh, his name is Frank Suglio. We met him when we were in Orlando, Florida. And he's a big fellow. He's six foot five, 275 pounds, and, and just a big, big dude. And um, well, he got saved in 2011 when we first met. And we would be in church, at our church there in Orlando, and we'd be in the pew, and song leader would be singing, uh, leading songs, and man, I'd be belting it out the best I could, and he'd be standing next to me, he would just be there like this. Wouldn't say a word. Wouldn't even open his mouth. I looked at him. I said, hey, what's going on? Why aren't you singing? He said, oh, no, I don't sing. I, I, I can't sing. I don't have a good voice. And I, as respectfully as I possibly could and as gently as I possibly could, I said, the Lord don't care whether you can sing or not. The Lord don't care whether you can carry a tune in a bucket. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you sound. Listen, this whole thing about worshiping God is not about you. It's about Him. Does He deserve to be worshipped? Did He save your soul from hell? Man, did He send His Son to die on the cross for you? Did, he, did His Son uh, go through that torture and that pain and that horrific death and eventually rise from the grave for you and for your eternal soul? Man, He deserves for you to worship Him. He deserves for you to sing to Him. I know way too many Christians that refuse to sing because they think they can't sing. God does not care if you can sing or not. But what he does care about is if you're going to worship him or not. Pastor mentioned it when we sang the song, in heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of worshiping. There's going to be a whole lot of singing. So we might as well get used to it now. 
We might as well get used to it now, because if we don't, we're going to be uncomfortable in heaven. There's going to be a whole lot of singing. There's going to be a whole lot of worshiping. And God does not consider that to be a waste of time. You see, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we're satisfied and we say, Lord, I can't sing, I don't have a good voice, it's the voice you gave me, but you've told me that I, am, I should be worshiping you, and you seek such to worship you, Lord, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm going to sing, I don't care who's standing next to me, I don't care if they don't like it, I, <laughs> amen? You ever been next to somebody, you're like, okay, maybe sing a little softer, okay? <laughs> but listen, sing to the Lord, worship the Lord. Honor the Lord. Give Him your all. I'll end with this. If, if your life is on the altar of sacrifice, then the Lord Jesus Christ can be on the throne of your life. But you have to place your life on the altar of sacrifice. You see, because if you don't place your life on the altar of sacrifice, your desires, your, your will, your wants, your, your, what you want to do, You must place that on the altar of sacrifice so the Lord Jesus can be on the throne of your life. Because if you are on the throne of your life, the Lord Jesus will remain on the altar of sacrifice in your life. Uh, Let's make sure we don't act. And I know nobody here wants to be like Pharaoh. Nobody here wants to be like Frederick Nietzsche. But at times we can all act like them. Who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. God is Dead. We may not say those words, but our actions say it sometimes. And we may not verbalize those words, but the way we worship or don't worship says a whole lot. Says a whole lot. Is he worthy of our worship? Amen. You bet he is. So let's make sure this week of revival. And maybe you're doing very well with this. Praise the Lord for it. Maybe you, you've got this down pat. You worship the Lord sincerely and genuinely from a true heart of love. Well, praise the Lord for it. Continue on. But maybe you're here tonight and you say, man, you know what? I need to do better in this area. I need to be more genuine in my worship of the Lord. In my heart's just pouring out my love to Him, I need to do better with that. Hey, this sermon is for all of us. Uh, Let's make sure we worship because He is worthy of our worship. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, Lord, we do pray tonight. Lord, we thank You for... The fact that you allow us to worship you. We don't have to worship you, but we get to worship you. And Lord, we pray this evening that you would help us to understand how important this is. Not just for our our church congregation, Lord, but for our spiritual lives personally. It's important, Lord, for us as, as, as husbands, Lord, to show our wives a man that worships God. It's important for us, Lord, to show our children a father that worships the Lord. It's important for every single one of us, Lord, here tonight to show each other that it's important to worship you. You deserve it. You're worthy. And not just because of the blessings, not just because of the good things that you've done, Lord, but because you are God. Beside you, there is none else. Lord, you created us. You formed and fashioned us in your image. Lord, you have done all that is necessary for us to have a healthy and vibrant relationship with you. Father, please, help each and every one of us to not let the devil, the world, and even our own fleshly desires crowd out our worship. Lord, help us not to be like Pharaoh. Help us not to be like 
that man, Frederick Nietzsche. They didn't want to accept your existence. They didn't want to accept your authority. Lord, please help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, bless your people now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor.